Hello and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with Talent on Loan from Rush. We have been talking about um, the trans, the trend, transgender, the transitioning uh, in, in dealing with it as a whole, as an issue. We've been also dealing with it um, from the perspective of children and how it is being handled, whether with the parents or sadly behind the parents' back. Uh, this whole issue is something that who would have thought five or 10 years ago we would even be talking about this, and unfortunately we are. Um, my guest today is Harrison Tinsley. He is uh, intimately involved in some of these challenges, and he's here to tell us his story uh, because it is a very, very important one, specifically because it involves our children and not just his but all of ours. So Harrison, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on, Jerry. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. And uh, I appreciate you, your willingness to come in and talk and tell your story and tell us uh, what you're facing, because this is very real. And as I said, five or 10 years ago, we would have, you you would have called someone crazy if they said that this would be going on today, uh, but it is everywhere. So let's start with the very beginning. Let, let's explain your story, your situation, um, as it had, uh, you know, unfolded with you in the beginning and regarding uh, your child. And then we'll kind of talk about uh, where, where it's been going and where you expect it to go and the like. So um, start from the beginning. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, essentially, I met a girl in the Bay Area. Um, it was at karaoke. I sang a song to her and then she sang a song to me. And shortly after we started dating, and uh, we never agreed politically, but we still got along in a lot of ways. You know, she has absolutely lots of wonderful qualities about her. And um, she got pregnant after only like three or four months of dating. And we were both happy about that fact. It was all right. We were both totally down to have the baby, which is fantastic. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. I thought this is something that you would appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so she suffered from some mental illness problems. And, you know, we didn't agree politically, but I always thought those are two things that, you know, I could get past, you know, no one's perfect. And I was always trying to see the good in people. And after a few months into her pregnancy, basically I, I was getting threatened constantly about not seeing my son if this or that, or if I wasn't exactly who she wanted me to be, particularly politically. And so, you know, that was kind of challenging. And then at some point she broke up with me and had her attorney send me a cease and desist letter which I then respected. So I didn't find out my son was born until a week after he was born um, from one of her friends on social media. And it was two months after I found out that, that I filed in court in San Francisco. And then it took another 13. And I finally met my son when he was 15 months old, in spite of me being aware of him and trying that whole time. Um, And that was the best day ever. I thought that was much too long. And, you know, COVID played into that. But it's still just a little yeah. ridiculous. Let me ask but, you um, if I can just you know, stop you right there. I don't sure. mean to interrupt, but when when you say that uh, your your the the mother of of your child was um, was I guess threatening you um, that if you didn't either do or believe, g- give me an example or two of what it was she wanted you to think, feel, do, or whatever. Sure. What comes to mind as I remember a conversation, she's like, you say, I write songs. I have a song called Be Brave and it's about being brave. And I say, talk about one of some of the lyrics are like, 
you know, I'd rather stand for something. And she's like, um, tells me, well, why aren't you standing for something? Then why aren't you at like the women's right pro women's rights March, um, to stand for something and just trying to get me to stand for what she believes in, as opposed to what I believe in. And I just remember that, that one specific example is what comes to mind. Okay. So yeah. So she, she, you don't see eye to eye politically and she wants to essentially keep you from your child based upon, you know, having different, you know, political beliefs on whether it's abortion, women's rights in general, or everything else like that. So when you got the cease and desist from the lawyer, um, I mean, that's interesting to me because, you know, typically what you're going to, what you would get in a case like yours is you're going to get a lawyer who comes to you from the mom saying, Hey, we're, we're demanding that you support this child, right? Financially, because you could get deadbeat dads or, you know, dads who, you know, don't want to be responsible for their child. Um, instead you got a cease and what did the cease and desist essentially say? Well, so to your first point, I mean, basically the cease and desist just said, just to not contact her or her family. And that was it. Um, her, her parents have money. So I think she wasn't worried about financials because of that. And so does a father in, in this case, does a father have rights in general? I mean, this is maybe beyond, you know, certainly me, but you know, I don't know what your what you learned from this process, but I mean, it seems to me that a father should have rights at the very least to, you know, have a relationship, right? Fathers have equal rights in California. Um, totally. Now I'd say family court is definitely a little biased towards mothers. And, you know, that's been slowly getting cut out for years and years. And I think we're more on track to be more and more fair to fathers, which I think is really important. I really think kids need fathers. We see that from all the statistics, right? Of homelessness, you know, deaths from violent crime, prisons, all that. Um, it's all majority from, you know, single mother households, the, the boys that are in those situations. Um, but you have to prove your paternity unless the, the mother willingly chooses to put you on the birth certificate. So in my case, that what didn't happen. So I also had to get paternity test and then you have to, you know, officially put that through court and that all just takes more time and more money. It's all normal, basic lawyer strategies, more time, yeah. more money. Yeah, no, you got that. Okay. All right. So, so you finally get to see your son, right? You, you said you had a son, it was a son, um, at, uh, what, 15 months old, you said. So then, then take it, take us from there. Well, I remember the day I met him. It was incredible. Um, I remember I was with him. We were doing headstands on the ground outside. That was one of the first things we did. And then I, we just hung out all day. My mom was there. And then I remember putting him down for a nap and he was like, you know, crying if I left the room, you know, even though he didn't really know me yet. And I remember when he finally fell asleep, I was laying there and it just like all, it was more than 15 months really. Right. Cause also during the pregnancy. So like almost two years worth, I remember like crying on the floor, just laying there next to him. Like, wow, I'm like next to my son right now. It was like one of the craziest feelings I've ever felt. Um, and so I continued my visitation for a few months and basically the judge had said when she granted me this visitation that, um, she would give me half custody if I'm, or she didn't say half custody. She said she'd give me some custody if I moved to the Bay area. So I moved to the Bay area and filed for half custody and I was awarded it, which I was super thankful for and essentially started my half custody. And it was right around that time. He was like roughly two years old 
she started doing the, this, treating him as non-binary for some reason. She was going on some sort of a gender journey herself. It's appeared at least. Um, and I don't know if this has to do with her beliefs or something to get back at me or have to do with just because she's going through her own thing or what it is. You know, I can't speak for her, but it was just interesting timing. That's for sure. And so that happened. And then there were safety concerns that arose uh, involving my son. His mom was arrested and it involved in him. And there was a lot of defamation of me on social media. And I was granted a restraining order. And so a lot of things happened. And basically, I brought it all to court and I got awarded a trial, which is really lucky because a lot of people get their hearing, which is 20, 30 minutes and their whole life's decided. So I had a five day trial witnesses and police officers and lots of evidence, all this stuff. And I felt really good about it. I thought the trial was very one-sided. I was really confident. I was like, okay, there's no way I'm not going to benefit in some way from this. And two months after the trial, when we finally got the decision, it, they were like, oh, we're keeping custody the same. Um, your son has to continue to see the same doctor. It's a doctor who's okay with treating kids as non-binary and like transitions kids at like 12 or 13, she said. And I don't know. It, it was really crazy. And so I, after that, I decided, okay, I'm appealing this and I'm going to tell everyone how, like, how I believe how unfair we'll say family court can be in California. Cause I thought that I had such overwhelming evidence that it was insane to make the ruling that they did. So when you said that there was a restraining order, this was against, um, the mother, correct? in, in regards to you. So, so you filed the restraining order against her. Um, you said that there was an, and you may not be able to talk about some of this stuff, which is fine. You said that there were some domestic issues. Police were involved and that was what the police were called to what her home or she was involved. Is that what happened? She was, so she ended up getting off on the charges, but it's San Francisco and family court's a lower burden of proof than criminal. So I, I didn't personally think that mattered that much with the amount of evidence because we subpoenaed all the body cam footage and 911 calls, et cetera. And she had been arrested for child endangerment and placed on 5150 while my son was there. She had uh, defamed me to the police during that um, and, and lots of stuff. And the, the restraining order was mainly based on defamation of me there and on social media and harassment of okay. me. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And that was a temporary one, which uh, was not granted fully after the trial, which was a, a, another thing that was, that was the most surprising thing of all of it because the temporary restraining order had been violated and we proved that beyond a reasonable yeah. doubt. Okay. And so, okay. So ultimately the court, it, it just, was it a jury court or how does that work? I, I no. it just, just a, a judge. judge. It's a bench trial. Okay. Yeah. So, Okay, so they keep the custody the same, and so now you have, you know, what was your custody status um, at that point? 50-50, legal and, and phys physical, and it still okay, is. Okay, great. So you have that 50-50. Um, you could see your son in, in, you know, maintain a relationship with him. Okay, so, so then proceed from there. So essentially, I decided I'm going to appeal this decision because I didn't feel that it was the correct one based on the facts and evidence and case law. And so that's what I did. And I, I, I reached out to some places and I'm really thankful to Daily Wire wanting to take my story and they did and they broke it and Matt Walsh, you know, tweeted it and stuff. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And then lots of people donated to help me because I was also out of money um, from attorneys and I've been extremely blessed and people have been donating 
and sending me prayers and good thoughts. And then after that, I just started speaking up as much as I can. I've been doing lots of interviews, going to the Capitol in California to protest anti-parent bills. And I've just been overwhelmed by meeting like the most amazing, kind, supportive people that I'm just so happy to be a part of circles of people like you and, you know, Annabella and our duty and freedom angels and mom army, dad army, all these great people that I've met. Okay. So, I mean, let's just recap this for a second for people, because this is, this is just so it makes you angry. You know, here you are, you, you have a child with, with a girl. Um, you don't run away. You don't try to file uh, some court documents, you know, eliminating your personal responsibility for the child, right? You're doing the right thing. You want to be involved. You, you're there to support. Um, the court is, it's costing you money, time, effort, um, time away from your son and the like. And, you know, that's in and of itself a challenge. But now you also then have your son being maybe, tra- and this is where you can continue and clarify, being treated as non-binary, um, is he transitioning? Is she encouraging that? What what transpired with that? Is is he? How old is he now? He's three and a half, and thankfully, no, it hasn't worked at all whatsoever. The court declined to rule on gender, even though it, excuse me, showed um, a lot of that evidence. That wasn't our main thing. Obviously, our other safety concerns were higher. Um, but yeah, so essentially, if you ask my son Sawyer, he'll tell you he's a boy through and through. Uh, he's proud to be a boy. He acts extremely boyish in every single aspect and way he loves being a little boy and he's you know rough house and rambunctious and is he's he'll tell you he's a boy if you hint at him being a girl or give him too girly of a toy he'll scream at you um i'm a boy not a girl he'll yell and get mad so it's not working at all it's really sad to you know want someone that you love more than anything to not be happy with who they are i want him to be happy with who he is which is a boy and he is happy being a boy. He absolutely loves it. You know, he doesn't mind playing in the mud and wrestling me and just, just like he's the most boyish of all of his friends too. Like he's just such a boy. It's it's really sad to think that someone would want to take that from him because he loves it so much. So how is he and, then? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how is he being treated from the non-binary standpoint by his mom and or her family? I mean, are they talking to him about you know, what gender he is or letting him decide that kind of thing? Or is there anything going on there? Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't know what happens there. Right. But from what he tells me, um, he'll tell me, you know, mommy says like, sometimes people can be boys and girls or things like that, but he doesn't believe it. You know, like he, he'll express to me things. Like he told me a story one time you've probably heard and she took him to Disneyland. And I know that's true because she told me and, he told me a couple months later, randomly, we were just eating dinner, I think. And he's like, Dada, when we went to Disneyland, I couldn't go on the rides unless I wore princess shoes. And I was just like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, mommy wouldn't let me go on the rides unless I wore my princess shoes. And I didn't want to wear princess shoes. I wanted to wear Mickey Mouse shoes. And, you know, and I talked to him and I told him, you know, it's obviously heartbreaking to hear that, um, to coerce someone in Disneyland to go on rides if they don't dress the way you want them to. Um, but it was clear that it hurt his feelings and that he doesn't believe that. And, you know, he'd rather wear his Mickey mouse shoes, his boy shoes. So I think, uh, he knows he's a boy. Um, I don't think it matters how much 
nonsense anyone puts in his head. I think he's a strong-minded rebel like me, and he's never going to give in to that. Well, and thank God for that, because, you know, as I'm sitting here, you know, looking at your situation and your story, knowing that um, this is happening all throughout the country, maybe not in the the parental situation, maybe they're, the parents are married and they're both encouraging this kind of thing. Some kids may not be as, well, first of all, some kids may not have the dad like you that is supporting them um, and also may not be that as strong-willed as your son because kids are very fluid in the sense of they want to make their parents happy. They're obviously children. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know up from down in a sense, and they're easily influenced. You know, you often wonder how many other children are in the same boat, but they're actually going along with it. I mean, have you learned about cases like, like oh, this yeah. throughout your journey? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm in contact now with Jeff Younger, who's the, you know, the famous dad out of Texas where the mom is trying to trans one of the twin boys, um, as well as, you know, Adam Vina who lost custody for texting his ex-girlfriend a bunch of times, you know, my son's not a girl, don't put him in dresses. I'm, I'm involved with these people now and I have gone to the Capitol with them and I've spoken to them and it, it you're right. It, it is affecting a lot of kids. I, not even that it's gonna, like it already is. Um, you know, there's a, a, a woman, Abby, that I met and she spoke at the Capitol with me and her daughter was taken from her at 16 by a school counselor and CPS. And then at 19, and forced the transition and the mom couldn't see her even and cause she wouldn't go along with it. And then her daughter killed herself at 19 and it's just horrific. And now California is trying to put what happened to Abby into law for everyone. And that's why we have to stop these anti bills across the country and particularly in California, cause California starts what goes the rest of the country. Yeah. And you're, you're seeing, you're seeing this type of thing, you know, happening, whether it's, is officially happening via the law or it's trying to be pushed in the sense that, you know, if you don't affirm a person, a child's gender as a parent, you could be, it could be viewed as child abuse or where a school could transition a child and refer to them with a different pronoun or a different name and not have to tell the parents. Uh, So this, this is definitely happening. I actually, it's funny. uh, I would just reading, um, I just got an email from, from someone uh, her name is Chloe, and she was telling the story how, um, well, it's actually a boy who was going through some, you know, you know, gender issues, you know, whatever they, you know, I don't, I don't know all the details, but the doctors said either you transition him to a girl or likely he's going to kill himself, right? And the parents out of fear. Yeah, that emotional black Yeah, the parents out of fear were like, Oh God, we don't want our child to kill themselves. So they supported the transitioning and, and needless to say, it was a horrible, horrible mistake. And we're, we're hearing that out there. A lot of, of people who did transition and are now, you know, 22, 23 who are going, dear God, what did I do? Where were the adults when, when I was going through these challenges? And so I've talked to some of these parents that were emotionally blackmailed exactly the way you just referenced. And it's honestly, first of all, it's completely wrong and horrific that the psychologist or whomever would say that to them, and it's not true, but um, there's no evidence to suggest that suicide rate goes down um, after transitioning or anything like that. In fact, more so the opposite. But 
uh, the parents were legitimately like, Harrison, like, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I had to do whatever it took to keep my daughter alive. Like, so in this case is they're not just saying that to the parents, they convinced the kid that as well. So the kid might legitimately kill or attempt to kill themselves if you don't go along with it. So it's beyond just the emotional blackmail to the parents. The parents have to do what it takes to keep their kid alive. And some of them expressed to me that they genuinely, if they didn't somewhat go along with it, do think that the kid may have taken their life. So it is getting horrible. And to your point earlier about, you know, saying it's child abuse, if you don't affirm a kid's fake gender, well, that's pretty much we're getting to 1984, where you don't just lie, it's the opposite of the truth. Because what chi- what is child abuse would be affirming a delusion that's not true. Yeah, that, that's what's child abuse. Is the, yes, you know? that is so, so true. And I've said uh, on my show, and I've said to people in talking about this is that the most unloving thing that any of us can do for someone who's having gender dysphoria, whatever their issues are, and, and it's a mental health issue, right? The most unloving thing we can do is is to affirm them because then we're, we're not helping them. If, if we truly loved them, then we would, we would be kind to them, certainly. We would try to get them help and guidance and support. And especially when we're talking you know, young children or teenagers who may be going through struggles that teenagers oftentimes go through, and it may be being expressed in a gender perspective. Um, we're, I've made the example, and maybe you don't have to agree or disagree. It would be like affirming an alcoholic, right? And saying, oh, good for you. You're an alcoholic. No, we need to address why you're an alcoholic and how we can, how, how we can help you. And, um, we're doing the opposite, as you said. We're not helping them. It's it's really sad, and the impact is going to be great. So, where do you go from here? I mean, this is you know you're you're you know you're you have a three and a half year old son, and he's got you know fifteen plus you know years before he's eighteen and can be independent. Is this a fight you're going to have to fight for fifteen years? It's a good question, and some people believe it is. I I believe regardless of how long it is or how hard it is, it doesn't matter. I have a duty as a dad to do whatever it takes to protect my son, and I will do that. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how much trauma or pain it causes me. I'm going to go through it either way. I'm ready for that. He's worth every single bit of pain and suffering I've ever faced. He's the most amazing thing in the world. I love being a dad more than anything, Jerry. And I would do anything for him. You know, there's zero hesitation. There's no thought in my mind of giving up. There's no thought in my mind of any of that. And be, I'm beyond just my son now, even though, of course, I'll do anything for him. I want to help protect all kids at this point. And, you know, about the affirming thing, not being loving, like, is it loving to let your kid eat candy for breakfast and lunch and dinner? Because that's what they would want. You know, is it is it affirming to let them play video games all day? Is it is that is that actually kind and loving? Is it? Is it kind and loving if your daughter thinks she's anorexic to, to tell her she's fat and be like, yeah, don't eat dinner when you see your daughter's tiny. Like that's so horrible and we would never even consider it. But yet for this one particular circumstance, for some reason, we're pretending it's okay. And it's not. And everyone knows it's not okay. And I live in the Bay Area in California and I don't even know a single Democrat who thinks this is okay. People are just too scared to speak out. And that's why we need people like you and me that are brave enough to speak out because that's what it takes is courage. Yeah, wow, man! I, you know, you're you're mature and wise beyond your years. Uh, in in, I, I 
don't quite know how old you are. I don't need to ask unless you want to reveal, but you're, you're on the younger side, at least compared to me anymore. I just turned 48. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, you're very wise, very brave, um, and being extremely responsible in a very difficult situation. That's, there's no question about that. So, man, I, I applaud you, admire you. And, um, I, yeah, sadly, I think that, you know, I hope your fight ends soon and that you, you get, you know, what you need, but the fight in general is, is long from being over. I, I'm the, the left as I know it, whether it's on this issue, it's on abortion, whatever the case may be, they go, they keep fighting and they actually double down on their craziness. Um, sadly, that's my experience, uh, very sadly. So, wow, man. Awesome. Uh, you know, Harrison Tinsley, really great story. How can pe people, you know, connect with you or if they want to have you come and talk to a group that they're involved in, uh, you know, what's the best way to connect with you? I'm Harrison Tinsley on all social media on Twitter. It's Harrison Tins and my give, send, go for attorney's fees is called give, send, go saving Sawyer. Um, and yeah, you can reach out to me on social media and I'd be happy to respond. I'm trying to do as many interviews as possible to bring awareness to um, my story, but as well as all these other parent stories like Ab Abby and Adam and all these bills in California. And we just have to be courageous and speak up and we can end this. Yes, yes, we can. So please, please connect with Harrison and support him any way you can. If you have a, an organization that is uh, fighting this and, and you can help him um, or you want him to talk or be interviewed, uh, please do, because this, this, like I said, this issue is not going away and uh, the left will not back down, even though they're, as, as you indicated, they're a huge minority in these beliefs. They're making people feel that we are the minority and it is not true at all. So uh, please connect. And we won't back down either. Yeah, I well, I definitely could tell Harrison, you are not backing down and I'm not backing down. And I know my listeners by and large aren't backing down and people in general. My fear is just our stupid politicians uh, at all levels, you know, potentially backing down. But I, I feel like this is a winning issue for us um, in general, uh, regardless of what party you are. If you take the right side in this, I think you're going to you're going to fare well. So uh, Harrison Tinsley, man, thanks so much for sharing your story and, and talking with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been amazing. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm glad this, uh, we've been a lot of back and forth coordinating this and it's been great. I'm, I'm really grateful and I mean it sincerely. Uh, really great stuff. So thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Fide's Podcast. Please check out all my podcasts and all the different podcast apps on YouTube, on Rumble, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on rightamericamedia.com and on whkradio.com as well. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.